Hey, this is Welby Pierce. I'm the lead pastor of Hope Rising Church. I want to thank you for listening today. I hope it inspires you, hope it builds your faith, and hope it gives you perspective to see how God is moving in your life. I hope you enjoy the message. Hallelujah! Praise Jesus this morning! Are you excited for Jesus this morning? Woo, hallelujah, hallelujah. Hey, before you are seated, I want you to high-five four people and tell them God has more for you. God has more for you. God has more for you. Man, praise God, man. Woo, worship. Man, right after worship, we can just go home. We don't need the word. Man, that was so awesome. Dream Team was awesome this morning, guys. Man, praise God. Hey, I want to introduce myself first of all. My name is Enrique Cifuentes. All right? En Enrique Cifuentes. Not to be mistaken by Enrique Iglesias. Okay? All right? I don't got the looks or the money. Just saying. And, uh, but we do have the same name. Um, before I start, man, I want to... I want us to pray for Pastor Welby and Kristen. They're not here with us today. Um, they're actually offici officiating a wedding this weekend. Uh, a relatives of their was getting married. So uh, uh, they gave me the honor to bring the word today. So I want to thank them, first of all, for their leadership, uh, their friendship, um, and their lack of judgment to let me preach here today. So, uh, so uh, if you don't like it, that's okay. He'll be back next week, okay? So uh, just don't tell him what I said. Go ahead and just like erase the podcast, the tape and everything. Just, just let it go. So, hey, uh, again, I'm so excited to be here. Um, we're, we're in our second week of our new series called Uncommon, okay? Now, this series is a series on relationships. And how many of you know we all need to be working in our relationships, man? It can be our marriage, our friends, our coworkers, etc. So let me give you a quick recap of week one uh, of last week. Pastor Welby wonderfully preached on uh, uncommon love. That if we're going to be able to teach and show loves to others, that we need to be able to receive God's love first and us be able to learn God's love for one another. So this is a couple of high points that he talks about. He said, God's love is what heals the love wounds in our lives. Jesus, God's love is sacrificial, personable, acceptable, accessible. How are we going to show others love but by first allowing God to love us and to have him show us his love? And in that relationship, in turn, we'll be able to know and show other people how to truly love. So today's topic that I'm going to be preaching on is going to be in influence, uncommon influence. As we continue to work in every area of our relationship, again, our marriage, our friendship, our relationship with our sons and our daughters, uh, our parents and grandparents, etc., there is influence. There is influence in each of those relationships, whether you believe it or not. Let me give you our verse um, that is basically the glue and the foundation of our entire series. Uh, we know that the theme of this whole series is that we're in uh, is that we're in good, that good relationships are possible, but not probable. You might say, well, what are you talking about, Enrique? What I mean by that is because we tend to follow how we do relationships based on culture. And let me tell you that culture is not getting relationships right. Can you say amen? 
and we continue to follow how they tell us that we need to have our relationships, we're going to continue to fail in our relationships. Their way isn't working. They are failing like never before. So we need to step away from their way and into God's way, which is that of common, uncommon way of having relationships. So Romans 12, 2 says, don't copy the behavior and customs of this world, but let God transform. Repeat that with me, church. Transform you into a new person by changing the way you think. If our relationships are ever going to be uncommon, we need to transform in the way we think about them and how we approach them. And then the end of that verse says, then you will learn to know God's will for you and those relationships, which is good and pleasing and perfect. So church, God has a good plan for your relationships. Hallelujah. Praise the Lord. Thank God for that. Maybe you're like me. Well, Enrique, my relationships suck. That's okay. You're not alone. I, 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 hey, um, can I just be 100? I, I'm, not a, I'm not like the, I'm like, yeah, let's keep it 100, 100. Let's keep it real. Hey, I'm not perfect. I'm not a perfect husband. My wife said amen. I heard you. Maybe you're not even here. Is she even here? I don't even know if she's here. But I heard an amen from somewhere. Hey, that's okay. There's hope. Thank God. Thank God that church is not for the perfect. That's the hope that we all have. I was telling our dream team this morning that this book, a lot of times we give it a wrong perception. That this is like, Hey, if I read this book, man, it's going to be, it's like perfect people doing the perfect will of God. That's further from the truth. The more you read this, you begin to see that in spite of, in, in spite of unperfect men, God was able to do his will through us. Come on now. <laughs> Peter, not so smart. John, not very smart. Now, I'm not talking about John in our church. I'm talking about John, the disciple, okay? John, John in, our, in, in, in the Bible. So, man, thank God for that. Thank God for that. And if you, if you know, um, that's why I tell people, hey, you need to join our Hope Rising group. Because sometimes on a Sunday, Sunday service, yeah, we come out all spiffy, right, and got our clean jeans, our new jeans and our new shoes, and, and we give the impression like we got it all together. Man, Dios mío, Dios mío, I, I don't got it together. I do not, uh, I'm do, but I'm doing the best I can, right? We're all doing the best I can. So I, I mentioned groups because you'll be able to see that we're, we're just like you. We're just like you. We're not perfect. We're not perfect. We're still trying to figure this thing out. So, you know what? Let's figure this thing out together, right? Amen. It's not too late to sign up, by the way. Uh, we still got another 13 weeks, and they're going to be year-round, okay? So, running group. I'm going to give a shout-out for my running group. Man, hey, let's go. HR groups, nothing but grace. Running group, none. I'm like, <sighs> 
John, Brian, wait for us. Right, Norman? Wait for us. And they're talking to us. Hey, y'all doing all right? And I just give them the fingers. No, hey, hey, no, no. The thumbs up. Man, you guys, see, I'm telling you, man, you guys, you guys need, you need some Jesus. I can't, I'm not, I'm having a hard time talking and breathing. I'm like, I'm just trying to concentrate on breathing. So I just give him one of these, I'm good. You know what I mean? So uh, praise the Lord, hallelujah. Hey, do me a favor, edit that, edit that, take that out. Um, so yeah, I want, I, I want this area of influence to touch every area of your life because it does affect all of our lives. Okay, but of course it comes with challenges. Like I already said, I know I'm not perfect. My marriage isn't perfect. I'm working things out. We've been happily married. Yes, we're happily married for 15 years, but there's still, oh yeah, praise the Lord. Thank God, right? You're like, man, marriage forever. My wife's like, no, it's only till death. It's only till death, not forever. Thank God. I was like, well, I hope, that's why I'm not getting no insurance, no insurance. No insurance. Give you some ideas, you know. No, no, senor. So, uh, because it does affect all areas of our life, there comes challenges. Influence is evident and tangible in relationships, whether you know that or not. So, I remember uh, a couple years back, I served in our youth ministry with Pastor Welby. And uh, I, I'm like, Lord, during the during a 21 uh, prayer and fasting phase, I felt God wanted me to help out with the youth. I'm like, Lord, no, no, no. I am old. I am old. I was 32 at the time, so if you're 32, I'm sorry. You know, but I thought I was old and not cool, right? You're like, I'm going to be working with cool kids, and they're going to be like, who's this guy? You know what I mean? And, uh, but thank God that Welby, again, uh, in the lapse of jump, uh, judgment, he said yes again for, for whatever reason. But uh, I was able to uh, help out, help out. And, uh, you know, when you, when you spend three or four years of your life, um, kids don't always tell you what a big impact you might be doing in their lives. Um, I didn't know. Um, it wasn't until I chose to step down and move on from youth ministry that at our I guess, farewell party, the kids were so appreciative. You're like, oh my gosh, I thought I'd sucked. I thought I ruined you guys. You know what I mean? But they were like, no, it's like, man, some people will come and tell me you're like my dad. I was like, man, because some of them, a lot of people don't have their, don't have dads. Right? So I was kind of like a role, a dad role model for them. So I didn't know how much influence I had. I did not know that. In spite of challenges, as you know, teenagers can be pretty difficult. They will come and tell me, because I will give like three or four teenagers a ride, and they'll be like, hey, Enrique, let's go out to eat. And I'll be like, you got money? <laughs> no, but you know. I say, like, no. So you begin to teach them life lessons. You can't be inviting yourself to go out to eat on someone else's dime. Come on. Come on. But in spite of that, I didn't give up. Man, I didn't give up. Um, I'm glad that I didn't respond in a common way rather than an uncommon way when dealing with our teenagers at that time. 
Too often, in order to avoid getting hurt in our relationships, we will react in a common way. So what does that look like? So let's look at number one. In order for us to keep us from getting hurt emotionally, scarred uh, in our feelings, and uh, yeah, just hurt and pain, number one, we, we take the attitude that I must protect. We've been hurt before, one too many times, and you're like, I'm not going to get hurt again. I'm not going to get let down again. I'm not going to be taken advantage of again. So I need to put up a wall of protection. But when you put up a wall of protection, your influence goes down. Secondly, a common way that we, we react uh, in our relationships is you take the attitude of, I must benefit. In order for me to be a part of this relationship, I must benefit from it. If you have nothing to give me, uh, there's nothing that I could gain from, then I don't want to be a part of it. Because too many times, I've been the one who has been given and given and given, so I'm tired of giving. So I'm no longer going to be a part of that relationship unless I get. Thirdly, another attitude that we will take is that I must control. I must be the one in control of this relationship. I want to be the one to set the boundaries so that I don't get hurt. But as control creeps in, influence goes out. And last, number four, you take the attitude of, I must win. At the end of the day of this relationship, I need to be the one on top. And too often times, we take these four attitudes, and we sometimes try to apply that in our marriage. Uh-uh, I need to be the one to control. You can't, I'm not going to give you this unless you do this for me. It's a give and take relationship. You hurt me. You betrayed me once before. You said you were going to do something and you didn't do it. So these things can happen to all of us in all sorts of situations and relationships. The reason that all these will happen is because we're dealing with people. We're dealing with people. Have you ever said the following? I love my job but if it wasn't for the people. I love what I do, but if it wasn't for the customers, they suck. What are customers? They're people. I've said that many times. I'm a builder. I, I love building houses, but sometimes the hardest part is to please a customer because as you know, everyone has a subjective way of what things look like that are correct, right? So I'm like, man, if I can just eliminate the customers from the building process, man, I would be good. I'll be straight. Some builders out there can actually relate because I know there's a couple of builders out there. So um, I love my family, except for some people in it. Come on now. You're thinking about that person right now. Your holidays, Christmas, Navidad. New Year's, whatever. You're like, man, I hope that person's not there. I'm going to avoid them. And if you're not thinking of that person, 
That person's probably you. Just saying. Just saying. All right, so hey, don't feel bad, okay? Don't feel bad. We've, we have people problems. Let me tell you that even Jesus had people problems. And here's the hope. The theme since this morning from my dream team that, man, we're not perfect. Jesus, Jesus had people around him that were far from perfect. So we're going to highlight one person. And uh, Peter is probably looking at heaven. It's like, Enrique, what did I do to you, man? You're going to be picking on me? It's like, yes. You, we can talk about it once I see you in heaven, all right? We're good. All right, so, so here's a list of people problems that you can probably identify with, and we're going to use the relationship of Jesus and Peter. I think you're probably going to be able to think of people that you had these same issues with that Jesus had with Peter um, and probably with others. So let's identify ourselves through this list of people problems that Jesus had through Peter. So the first one was people will disappoint. People will disappoint. It's just going to happen. So just expect it. Okay? So here's Peter. Let me give you a quick backstory of Peter. Uh, and this particular verse that I'm going to read is, Peter is in a boat. And he sees something from far, from far off. And he's like, la llorona. Or the ghost, right? The ghost. Because that's, that's what the Bible says. Oh, that, is that a ghost? And he goes, no, no, no. That, I think that's Jesus. Jesus. Right? And uh, so he calls out, and he's like, Jesus, is that you? So he calls out, and he says, Peter, come. And uh, so Peter, right, this is the boat, and that's water. Jesus is over there. So he steps out and starts to walk. Right? Moonwalk. And uh, so he gets to Jesus. And then he begins to sink. Jesus says in Matthew 14, 31, Why did you doubt me, Peter? Disappointed. Even Peter disappointed Jesus. Can you imagine you being Peter? You've already walked like, I don't know, 20, 30 steps. And then you, you doubt and you start to sink. Peter disappointed Jesus. Secondly, people make mistakes. We all make mistakes. It just comes with the ter territory of being human. One of Peter's big mistakes, out of all the people, you could have done this. Yeah, right? We argue with our wives, but here's, here's Peter arguing with Jesus. You had a chance, Peter, with your wife, but you're not going to have a chance with, your, with Jesus. So here's Here's Jesus telling his disciples about the cross. So I'll give you a little backstory about that. So Jesus is telling his disciples that, hey, this is going to happen. I must die. I'm going to go to the cross, etc. right? And Peter's like, no, you're not. That's never going to happen. And in Matthew uh, 16, verse 23 says, Jesus turned and said to Peter, get behind me, Satan. You're a stumbling block to me. Hey, man, you know you made a mistake when Jesus called you the devil. <laughs> Woo! You know you messed up. The Lord calls you the devil. Wow. Here's another people problem. People are selfish. What? Selfish. 
hey, I'm selfish by nature. Yeah, come on now. I have to work and not thinking about myself. It's easy to do that. You know, my wife would be like, well, you went shopping. You got you some stuff, but what about me? Well, I'm sorry, honey. You know what I mean? I was just thinking about myself. <laughs> sorry. I got Ethan something, though. You know? But he's mijo, you know? He's the heir. <sighs> Hallelujah. Yeah, my wife's like, I'm not going to be there, man. Come on now. So, you know, if, if I'm selfish by, by nature, if I had to guess, you're probably selfish by nature. Oh, no? No? Oh, I'm sorry. Not you. Not you. My bad. The people around you, the people around you are selfish. Yes, Enrique. Amen. I'll say amen to that. And you're like, no, no, actually the person that I'm thinking about is selfish. It's actually not here. Well, you can send them this podcast. Give them this podcast. Be the Holy Spirit and say, this is for you. This is for you. So even Peter showed some selfishness. Jesus is spending time with his disciples at the Last Supper, pretty close to the time of Jesus' arrest and then crucifixion. Jesus asked his disciples to pray with them at the Garden of Gethsemane. And uh, I guess he must have been part of the setup team because he fell asleep on Jesus. You know what I mean? He must have woke up at 6 o'clock in the morning to set up. And uh, so here's Jesus. He's about to go to the cross and this asking his boy, his confidant, his friend, right? His homie, his essay to join him in prayer. But no, he falls asleep. I can just imagine Jesus is probably like, hey, I thought we were good, man. About that, I, thought, I thought we just cleared up, cleared up the air about me calling you the devil. We were good, you know what I mean? And, you know, I forgave you, and we're, I thought we were good, man, but no. So in Mark 14, 37 says, Simon, he said to Peter, are you asleep? Couldn't you keep watch for one hour? One hour. And lastly, people might betray. People might betray. People problems. People might betray. You know that's the end of the road when someone betrays you, right? And you're like, man, I'm going to cut them off. No turning back at this point. I'm going to cut them off of my life. They did something so unforgivable. Or I told them something and they weren't supposed to tell anyone. I thought I can trust them, but now they use that against me, etc. right? And you're like, no more, no way. You betrayed me. I'm cutting off this relationship. But here again, we will see this also in Peter's life in Jesus. Peter denies Jesus three times. Not only him, but all his disciples. When Jesus got arrested to get taken over to get crucified... They all abandoned him. They all abandoned him. And Mark 14, 71 says, this is Peter. He began to call down curses and he swore to them. I don't know this man you're talking about. He walked in water with Jesus. Can you imagine? You're walking with God. You're walking with God. And yet you still at that point deny him. If Jesus wasn't Jesus, but if he was more like me, I would have done cut Peter off a long time ago. Right? Amen. And that's what we're talking about. Common, 
common influence or common ways of how we treat other people, that that's our natural reaction of when we're dealing with relationships. But Jesus, Jesus didn't handle it that way. If we allow the problems of past relationships to determine how we handle the potential future of once, we will limit and sometimes eliminate our influence. Jesus didn't limit his influence in Peter's life. No matter how bad it got, he never gave up on Peter. And let me tell you, that's, maybe, maybe you, if you're not going to get anything out of this whole message, I want you to take this. If Peter, as bad as Peter was, he never gave up on Peter, let me tell you that Jesus never gives up on us. Amen. Amen. He's never going to give up on us. He's never going to give up on you. That's why this morning, man, I, the word that kept to mind was, I don't care what you've done. There's sin in your life. It doesn't matter. I, I have a hard time lifting my hands for whatever reason because of what I've done or what I didn't do or I wasn't good enough, I didn't go to church enough or whatever. Your relationship with God is not dependent on what you do. It's not. It's what he did on the cross. That way you don't have to do it. All you got to do is receive it. Yes, amen. As simple as that. And I'm probably going to be banging this gong for a while because I've been serving God for some time now. And sometimes as you serve God, you tend to complicate things, right? But I, I find myself that the more that I serve God, the more simple the message is that God begins to say, this is, is that easy? You're a sinner. I'm a sinner. There's nothing that you can do to make things right. So I came in the form of Jesus, the person of God, to die on the cross for your sins, to make the full, uh, I guess you can call it propitiation, try, try not to use a theological term, but I was a full payment. Because at the end of the day, someone's got to have to pay for the sins. And God's like, through my grace and my mercy, I'm going to do it. I'm going to. Thank God for that. Hallelujah. Man, praise God. If Peter was able to do all those things, even to the point of betrayal, yet Jesus still believed in him, I know Jesus still believes in you. Thank God for that. So then Jesus demonstrates some uncommon influence with Peter. So he prophesies and tells Peter the following statements. So now let's look at some uncommon influence through the life of Jesus and Peter. Matthew 16, verse 18 says, Now I say to you that you are Peter, which means rock. And upon this rock I will build my church, and all the powers of hell will not conquer it. <laughs> Hallelujah. Even though you're not perfect, Peter, I'm not going to give up on you because I know you are going to do something great. Uncommon influence is simple. It's believing the best even after the worst. Peter couldn't mess up enough for Jesus to walk away. Jesus believed in Peter that much. And that's how much Jesus believes in you. 
So now we see the one to maybe the last to the very last interaction between Peter and Jesus. Right before Jesus ascends into heaven, this is after he's died on the cross, he's resurrected from the grave, he's appeared to several disciples and about, I think they, scholars believe, about 500 people uh, at the time. And right before Jesus ascends, uh, John pins this down and says, John 21, and seven, John 21 verse 17 says, a third time he asked, asked him, and this is Peter, Simon, son of John, do you love me? Peter was hurt that Jesus asked him the question a third time. He said, Lord, you know everything. You know that I love you. Jesus said, then feed my sheep. I don't know why Jesus asked Peter the same question three times. Maybe it's because Peter denied him three times. Or maybe, maybe Jesus was trying to get Peter to be confident in himself again. Sometimes you got to speak things in your life that are not there yet. Come on now. If you got to get in your meter, on your mirror, I'm sorry, on your, in front of your mirror and said, you know what? I am everything that I need to be. I don't need nothing else. I have Jesus. And I can be confident in that. I know I'm not perfect, but Lord, I will allow you to continue to work in me. I might not be the best father, the best son, the best co-worker, but my eyes are open and I will change. Change me, Lord. Change me, Lord. Do that for 21 days and see what happens. I'm telling you that because I struggle with that. Talk to my wife. Talk to some friends around here at church. Come to our groups. You'll hear it. I struggle with confidence. I remember when I, used to, I was preaching at our youth service at Real Life Church, which is one of our sitting churches, right? I would always preach from there, from the ground. Because I never felt worthy enough, confident enough to be on stage. So I always preached from there. Not fake humili uh, humility, right? I wasn't trying to be humble, you know, that kind of thing. It's just I, I didn't feel confident. But then, as I got around with people, it's like, no, Enrique, you need to believe in yourself. You need to believe in yourself. You, there's a call of God on you. Don't let the enemy lie to you. Come on now. Don't let the enemy lie to you. Peter, come on now. Peter spoke to, or Jesus spoke to Peter as the rock. Peter could have said, I'm a failure. I betrayed Jesus. I couldn't stay up and, and pray with you, Jesus. No. The rock. The rock. So you need to believe in that. Believe in you. What, believe what God has spoken to you. Don't let the enemy come kill. Seek, kill, and destroy, right? Your dreams, your aspirations. None of that. Get thee behind me, Satan. Come on now. So be confident. Jesus is like when he tells them, feed my sheep. I have shown you that I believe in you, Peter. Your future isn't dictated based on your past. I am for you. I'm not against you. I want you to be successful. I want you to have influence. 
I won't be here anymore to influence you anymore, Peter, but I want you to carry this influence. Feed my sheep. It's all about people. Jesus is like, I didn't spend three years of our life together so that you may have great memories of us. I invested in you. I believed in you. I empowered you so that you can influence the world, so that you can make a difference. That's what Jesus had for Peter, and that's what Jesus has for us in our relationships. So let me define what uncommon influence is. If you're taking notes, take this, take this note down. I know it's not on the, on the screen here. But here's the definition. My influence is not determined by my level of success, but my, by my ability to help you succeed. I'll repeat that. My influence is not determined by my level of success, but by my ability to help you succeed. Yeah, it's about the other person. It's about the other person. This is anti-culture, y'all. This is anti-culture. Most often, the culture way of influencing is, how can I get to the top, and how many people can I trample to get up there? Right? Then I'll be able to influence people. This, this totally turns it upside down. Maybe this is for you. You know that coworker that maybe you can't stand? How would your relationship flip if instead of trying to jockey for position, how about you try to promote, try to help them rise up? What would that do? What would that look like? Probably freak people out, right? Sometimes your biggest enemies will become your, your, your best fans. I remember uh, at my last job at Frontier Custom Builders, there was one guy that, for whatever reason, he was a fellow superintendent. Uh, man, we just couldn't get along. I had gotten promoted as vice president at the time, and uh, I felt like he was just always, like, right, backstabbing. Yeah, yeah, you know. I don't know. So I, had a, I went to my boss and said, hey, I want, I want to have, can you give me your permission? I need to have a one-on-one. -on -one. You know, a lot of times I, I try not to, what's the word? Uh, yeah, I try to deal with things head on. You know what I mean? I try not to beat around the bush. So my boss gave me permission. So I sat down and talked to this guy and said, hey, bro, this is what I feel. I don't know what I've done, but I just want you to know that I, forgive me for whatever I've done. If you have any issues against me, just lay it out. Lay it out right now, right? And, uh, and ever since then, he became my biggest fan for whatever reason. Even after I left the company, he would call me and holler, say, hey, Enrique, what's up, man? What you been up to? You know, because I was trying to, I guess, give him more power, give him more authority, and just, I'm like, you know what? If you want it, take it. I'm, I'm good, right? Um, and he became one of my biggest fans. And again, to this day, he still calls me. Hey, how's it going? Where you at? Let's go have lunch. Uncommon influence. 
So how do we get uncommon influence? How do we grow in that? Let's look at that. Number one, we focus on the person. Philippians 2, 3 to 4 says, don't be selfish. Don't try to impress others. Be humble, thinking of others as better than yourself. Don't look out only for your own interests, but take an interest in others too. You're going to have to get close. You're going to have to open up. You're going to have to take a chance of getting hurt again. Learn them. Know what they like, what they dislike. What motivates them. Focus on the person. Secondly, focus on the positive. I know this is hard at times because a lot of times negativity or the negative always is the first thing that we see, right? I'll give you a couple of examples. For example, you've done all your work at your job, right? All your assignments are done. But your boss, out of all the things he can ask you, he asks you about the assignment you haven't done, right? Or how about your children, they come home with a report card. A's, B's, right? But one C. And oftentimes, if we're honest, we'll look at the C, right? And we're like, son, daughter, what's going on? Are you not applying yourself? Do we need to study more? So you focus on the C and not the A's and B's. I'm not going to tell you how to parent your kids, okay? But maybe that's something they're not good at. Simple as that. <laughs> Let's just keep it real. Not everyone is good in math. They're going to struggle. Maybe they're not called to be mathematicians or engineers, right? So how about you guide them to what they're good at. Come on now. That preaches right there. Maybe they're great at art. They're great at science. They're great at reading, writing, etc. But you focus on the negative. Or maybe they just don't do good at school. Now, this is not the Bible. This is Gary V. All right? This is Gary V. So you take it or you leave it. And I'm not against education, y'all, all right? That's not what I'm saying. But maybe, maybe your kid is called to be an entrepreneur. Oftentimes, our education systems creates workers, right? Oftentimes, I don't see them teaching me how to budget my finances, how to run a business, etc. You can say, you know what? You're dumb. You're never going to get ahead of life. How about, you know what? No, we, we're going to work this out. We're going to work this out. Okay, maybe school's not for you. What do you like to do? Maybe we can create a business and you can succeed that way. Yeah. Number three. Focus on their potential. 
Most potential, you can't see. People are not walking around with neon lights saying, hey, if you keep on being my friend, I promise you're going to discover my potential in six months. Right? After, there's not a countdown saying, hey, you're almost there. You're discovering my potential. 1 Peter 4.10 says, God has given each of you a gift from his great variety of spiritual gifts. Use them well to serve one another. You might say, well, no, there's no way that person has any potential because they have too many problems. Most often, the people with the most problem have the most potential. You just got to focus on the positive. Number four, uncommon influence. Focus on their purpose. Focus on their purpose. Every person, just like spiritual gifts, has a divine purpose. God has given you a plan for you, the people around you, and the people that you don't like. Ephesians 2.10 says, For we are God's masterpiece. He has created us anew in Christ Jesus so we can do the good things he planned for us long ago. You need to focus. You need to focus on, the, on people's purpose, not their performance. Because oftentimes we will see what they do or don't do, and we forget the purpose that God has for them. Pastor Welby could have easily given up on me five, six, seven years ago because of my lack of confidence. But thank God he didn't. He didn't look at the performance. He looked at the potential. He looked at the purpose. He looked at the positive. And because of that, I'm able to be here to bring the word with confidence because he believed in me. God believes in you. Last but not least, we must focus on the process. Because it is a process. It doesn't happen overnight. Having great, meaningful relationships doesn't happen overnight. You will battle. You will get hurt at times. It's not easy, but it's worth it. When they win, I win. Luke 6, 38 says, Do not judge others, and you will not be judged. Do not condemn others, or it will come back against you. Forgive others, and you will be forgiven. Now, I'm going to read this very next verse. Oftentimes, preachers, including myself, will use this verse as a money verse. But if you look at the context of the verse that I just read, it's talking about the context of relationships. So now let's pick it up again. And it says, Give and you will receive. Your gifts will return to you in full, pressed down, shaken together to make room for more, running over and poured into your lap. The amount you give will determine the amount you get back. The amount that you put in into your relationships, your friendships, is the amount that you get back. 
the amount of positivity, the potential, the bringing out of purpose in others is what God will give you back. That's what uncommon influence is all about. Maybe we're just like Peter, man. Dysfunctional. Don't have it all together. There's hope. Thank God there's hope. And hope has a name, and that name is Jesus. Amen. 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 I want every head bow, every eye closed as we conclude this service this morning. God, I, I thank you, God, for your sweet presence. God, I thank you for this message that you have given us. Father, I pray, God, that the word that was given today may not return void, God. I pray that we may apply, and I'm speaking to myself, that I may apply this word into my life, Father God, that there's no no bad enough that I can do that would eliminate the love you have for me. God, I thank you for your grace and your mercy, God. I thank you that you have called us out from this world to lead an uncommon influence in our relationships. I pray that we may lead with this kind of uncommon influence in our marriages, our friendships, our jobs, co-workers, our children, our grandparents, aunts and uncles, etc. I speak that because that's what I need. I need to have grace and mercy on my parents. Now look at the hurt that they did for, to me years back. I need to be able to continue to have this uncommon influence so that they can see Jesus in that situation. Thank you for joining us on the Hope Rising podcast. Visit us online at myhoperising.co. If you're in the Cypress, Texas area, we would love to connect with you on Sundays 10 a.m. at Spillane Middle School. Thanks again for listening. Have a wonderful week.